Have you ever felt fired up and passionate about your goals and dreams only to find yourself days later frustrated by your lack of progress, disappointed and ready to give up? In this very first episode of Unbreakable Lessons, we're going to be discovering the secrets and practical tools that will enable us to break this pattern and achieve the success in our lives that we've been dreaming of. Hey everyone, I am thrilled to officially welcome you to our very first episode of Unbreakable Lessons. For those of you who I have not yet had the privilege of meeting or connecting with, my name is Yaakov Cohen. I'm a father, husband, rabbi, educator, and public speaker. And I've spent the past 12 years helping people utilize their struggles and challenges to achieve unbreakable confidence and inner joy. And I've created this podcast with that very same goal in mind, using psychology, music, sports, business strategy, inspirational stories, and Jewish wisdom from the weekly Torah portion. My goal is for us together to discover the secrets that we will need to create unbreakable, unshakable, unconditional confidence and inner happiness in our lives. Special shout out to some of my social media followers and students who have really been encouraging me to start this podcast years ago, and I finally had the courage to do so, so thank you. So let's jump in. Let's begin with a well-known concept, something that you may have heard before, learned before, you know, something you're familiar with. If it's new, awesome. If it's old, it'll just be a quick review. But the concept goes like this. It's from Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of his habits is to begin with the end in mind, or thinking far and acting near. So what does this concept mean? Every single one of us has goals, dreams, and aspirations in life, right? If we don't, we should, right? Something that pumps us up, that energizes us, that inspires us every single day to jump out of bed in the morning, to motivates us to face our day, right? Something that excites us, something long-term, short-term, whatever it may be. And that goal, that dream is often lofty. So that's, a, again, like we said, that's a good thing. But the only problem is that if we only are thinking about that goal and acting upon that goal, for instance, if a person has $1,000 in his bank bank account and he wishes to have a million dollars, right? That's his goal. He wants to have a million dollars in his bank account, right? The problem with only focusing on that goal is that every single day he's gonna say, okay, I gotta act on that goal of $1 million. I gotta get to $1 million today. What am I gonna do to get to $1 million? And after a few days, he's gonna get very frustrated, right? He's gonna say, wait a second. Nothing that I'm doing right now is so different, so vastly different than what I was doing before. Nothing that I'm doing right now is gonna get me to that goal of a million dollars. It's just not gonna happen. It may be inspirational, aspirational, but not something that I can attain today or any time in the near future. Therefore, if I'm only focused on that big goal, then today I'm gonna give up because I'm nowhere near it, right? On the flip side, the other side of the coin, is thinking near and acting near, also a problem, right? If I'm only focused on what I'm going to achieve this week, right? Forgetting about that big goal of a million dollars, obviously just a small example, right? One example of millions. But if I'm only focused on that $1 million goal, that big goal, then, right, obviously that's a problem. If I'm only focused on the $1,000 that I wanna achieve this week or in the next two weeks, also a problem because it's not inspirational and maybe attainable, but not inspirational, right? So immediately, if I don't have that big goal in mind or constantly, you know, taking a step back and thinking about the big dream that I have, then just that small goal won't be enough to continue motivating me every single day to work hard. So the, obviously the balance there is to think far, 
Think about that big goal, but don't act on that big goal. Don't say, what am I going to do today to get a, get to a million dollars? Once you're inspired, and inspiration obviously is temporary. When you're motivated, you're inspired, it doesn't last. That's the moment where we're not supposed to change. That's the moment we're supposed to think big. We're supposed to write that goal down. Put it on a post-it. Put it above your computer. Put it on, as the background of your computer, the background of your phone. Put it on your desk. Put it wherever you go so that you see that goal, that dream, in the back of your mind at all times. Right? You don't act on it every day, but you remind yourself so it inspires you to get to that point eventually. Right? If it's a 10-year goal, then I'm going to make a battle strategy, a battle plan where I'm going to say, okay, what am I going to do right now that's going to get me to that goal eventually? right? It doesn't say I'm going to get to that goal anytime soon. It doesn't say that what I'm doing right now is connected very directly to that, that, you know, eventual goal, that ultimate goal. It's saying that what am I going to do today? That's going to get me one step closer every day. I'm thinking about that one thing, acting on that one thing that's eventually going to get me there. But today it's just getting me one step closer. So therefore I'm inspired by the big goal, but I'm only focused on today. What am I going to do on a very pragmatic, practical level? What am I, what am I going to do today? That's going to get me one step forward, right? That's thinking far and acting near. And that's what we're supposed to do. If we want to attain goals in life. We want to eventually attain our dreams that those small steps, those incremental steps that we're taking every single day that we're working hard at are eventually going to get us to our our, our goal our ultimate goal that we're trying to get to. So let's talk about the first aspect, right? The first aspect is called passion. Passion creates dreams. When we are passionate about something, we recognize it's a strength of ours, it utilizes specific talents that we have, or it's just something that we're excited about, something that we dream of accomplishing or dream of becoming, right? When we have that goal in mind, we are filled with fiery passion. That passion is what drives us forward. That passion is what gives us that vision, right? I want to give you a very funny example. The band Black Sabbath. Most of you are probably familiar with Black Sabbath. Maybe you're familiar, more familiar with Ozzy Osbourne, the lead singer of Black Sabbath, but almost everyone knows this name, right? Black Sabbath, how they started off is very, very interesting when they started becoming big, right? When they were, you know, just a band forming in the very beginning, they were nothing, right? They were nobody. No one knew who they were. They recognized how talented they were. They understood their cohesiveness, how well they played together, what they created together. They understood that, but they weren't getting out there. No one knew of their music. It's kind of like if a, you know, an entrepreneur has this amazing idea and for six months he's trying to sell the product that, you know, he or she's trying to sell the product that they've created, right? Then they're wondering what's going on? Why am I not succeeding? And some, you know, more seasoned businessman will say, um, have you marketed? Well, no, I haven't marketed yet. I'm just, you know, trying to sell my product. Well, if you haven't marketed, no one's going to know who you are. Then you don't exist in, in the business world. You don't exist on the market, right? You can have something amazing, but the most amazing idea will get nowhere if you haven't gotten out there, if you haven't gotten yourself out there. So Black Sabbath obviously recognized their own strengths and talents. They recognized how skilled they were, you know, and how, how well they played together. But no one knew who they were. No one heard their music. So what were they going to do? They tried to book gigs. No one would book them. Again, they had no name. No one knew who they were. So they were trying and trying and trying, trying to get some record deals, trying to get someone, you know, to have them come to play in their concert hall to even open up for a band, nothing. No one would hire them. So they thought outside the box. And again, this went on for months trying to get gigs. Months turned into years. Nothing was happening, right? Eventually, they had this idea. It was a very, very, you know, strange idea, very unique idea, and probably wasn't going to work, right? But they said, you know what? Nothing else is worth. Let's try it out. So what they decided, decided to do is the following. They were going to drive around every single night as a band with their van, all their instruments in their van, and they're going to drive around downtown London. And they're going to 
literally pass by every single concert hall, bar, lounge, and where, you know, bands come to play. And they were going to see if a band, for some reason, didn't show up that night. And if they would see that a band didn't show up at a specific concert hall, then they would swoop in, tell the concert hall that, you know, they were passing by and they happened to be a band as well. And hopefully they could, you know, fill in for the band that didn't show up. So they tried this every single night. Again, this went on for another several months. Every single night they tried it and it never worked until one time it did. One Wednesday night in the middle of December, cold winter December night in downtown London, they were passing by a small concert hall and it happened to be that they saw an uproar. They saw chaos, you know, outside of the concert hall. They didn't know what was going on. People looked like they were protesting. What's going on here? So they got outside their van and they asked someone, you know, nearby, you know, what are you screaming about? Why, why is everyone gathering outside this concert hall? And the person said, well, the band didn't show up tonight. We already paid and they're not giving us a refund. We don't know what to do. So they're like, this is our moment, right? They jumped in, they ran into the concert hall, they ran into the manager's office, and they said to the manager, hey, I heard that the band didn't show up tonight. And the manager said, yes, I'm so sorry, don't worry, you'll eventually get your money back, I'm just trying to figure out the logistics. And the band said, wait a second, we're not here as listeners, we're not part of the crowd, we happen to also be a band, and we were just passing by, happened to be in the neighborhood, we got our instruments in our van, and you know, would you like us to get up there on stage and fill in for the band? Don't worry, you don't have to pay us. And the manager said, are you kidding? Absolutely, you're on in five minutes. The band went into the van, got their instruments, went back up onto stage, and they played. The first song that they played, the crowd wasn't so happy, right? Because they were waiting for that band that was supposed to come, so they were disappointed no matter what. The second song, the crowd started, you know, easing up to them. They started liking what they were playing. By the third song, the place was going wild. They were cheering, they were clapping. By the fourth song, standing ovation. They were loving every moment of it. It was supposed to be three or four songs, turned into three or four hour long concert. That gig got them more gigs. More gigs got them eventually to be signed in a, uh, rec as a record label and eventually got them international fame. All began with that one small step, right? So what was so, why am I talking about Black Sabbath, right? Why am I talking about this band? Because they recognized how awesome they were. They said, we have the skills and, and talents. We play incredible music, create incredible music together, but no one knows who we are. We have an eventual goal, an ultimate goal of international fame. It's not gonna happen overnight. They weren't thinking far and acting far on that goal of international fame every day. If they did, within days, maybe weeks, max, they would have given up, they would have been, you know, that would have been throwing the towel, that's it, we're done. No one's hiring us, therefore we're done. International fame, not a chance, we can't even get one gig. They would have given up immediately, right? But of course they didn't act on that big goal. They had that big goal in mind, that dream, they knew who they could become. They knew of their greatness and their potential for international success, but they also knew that it was gonna have to take one small step at a time. So they thought about that big dream they had in the back of their minds, but every single day they acted on one small goal. Just one gig, one gig. That's my one small goal that I'm getting to, that I'm acting on near in this near future, right now in this moment, I'm trying to get one gig. That'll eventually get another gig, leading to another gig, leading to another concert, leading to, you know, in a signed by a record label, finally, of course, fame in England, and then of course around the world. So. Thinking Far and Acting Near is what got Black Sabbath and, of course, many, many other bands, athletes, you know, writers, you know, successful speakers, politicians. What got them their success was this concept. It's a simple formula, but if we follow it, we're able to achieve the success that we want in our lives. All great people, all successful leaders recognize that all success and greatness begins with passion. Passion, desire, and excitement to achieve our goals and dreams. There was a rabbi named Rabbi Shlomo Freifeld. He 
had a school, a Jewish school in Farakaway, New York, called Sharyashiv. And when he began this school, he began, you know, he was admitting students and he was trying to develop and grow and build the school. Once it got to full capacity, you know, it was a little bit more difficult to get into the school. But he had one condition in which he accepted students by, right? It wasn't based on their grades. It wasn't based on their behavior. It wasn't based on anything specific other than passion. In fact, he would, when he would interview students, he, no matter what they said about their Jewish background, about, you know, their educational backgrounds, about their intellectual abilities, all he was looking for was their passion. If a person had passion, they were accepted into the school. In fact, one of his closest students who ended up becoming a leader and starting his own schools only got into the school because he was passionate. Only got into the school because when he interviewed, he got kicked out of schools. He wasn't accepted to many other schools. The only school he got into was this school was this yeshiva, this school, because of the fact that in his interview, he said, I know, I am not growing in my life. I'm not growing in my Judaism. I'm not growing intellectually in my learning. Not yet, but I do have a desire to. I do have a passion to grow. I do have a desire to become better myself, to improve my character, to become more spiritual, to become closer to God, and to grow into my, in my Jewish wisdom. And immediately he was accepted to the school. By being accepted, he ended up growing, continuing on that journey and actually growing and then becoming the leader that he was born to be. And so obviously great leaders understand that the reason passion is so important is because you can have all the skills and talents in the world. If you have all the skills to achieve the goals that you want, but you don't have any passion, you're not going to do it because you're not motivated to achieve, right? But if you do have the passion, if you do have that inner ratzon, ratzon means passion, right? If you do have that desire to achieve those goals, then you'll eventually grow in the skills and talents that you'll need, right? It begins with passion. In fact, every single human being is born with that passion. We're all born with passion. We're all born with that insane fire and excitement to achieve our goals. Look at any child, any baby that's learning to crawl, that's learning to walk. What do they do? They stand up, they take a step, and they fall. Do they give up after that? Of course not. In fact, the goal that they have for themselves of walking is unattainable at this point. They can only take one step and then fall, right? In the beginning, they can't obviously take any steps. But once they take that step, they fall, they say, I'm not giving up. They stand up again, they, they walk, take another step and fall. And they continue doing this until they learn to walk. Every single child, every baby has that inner passion when they're born. Failing does not cause them to give up, right? Because they keep their eye on the prize of the goal that they have for themselves. Obviously, babies aren't thinking that way, but we're born with that innate inclination to achieve based on our passion. We're born with this inner passion. It's natural. It's what we're born with. And if you see as a child continues to develop, right, they become a toddler. What does a toddler do when they want something? They tantrum. You take them to the grocery store, you take them out. And if they want something, they ask for something and you say, no, what do they do? They fall onto the floor. They scream at the top of their lungs. Why? Because they want whatever it is that they want. They want it so badly, meaning their goals may be simple, but what they want to achieve or what they want to attain is so strong. Their passion for whatever they want is so strong that they're willing to do anything and everything in order to get it. David Amelech, King David, writes in Tehillim, Psalms, Perak Kuf Yud Tes, which is 119, chapter 119. He writes the following. He says, Chashti velohis mamati lishmor mitzvosecha, which means I ran, I did not delay to perform your mitzvos, to perform your commandments. King David is talking to God and he says, I ran and I did not delay to achieve your, to, fo to follow through with your will. I ran and I did not delay to achieve the goals that I have for myself. So the question that's asked is running and not delaying. It's the same thing. 
sounds redundant, like a redundant statement. Why would he repeat himself by saying, I ran and I did not delay? Well, the answer that's given is that there are two types of people who run. Someone who's running, rushing to get somewhere, is often running because they're late, right? They're running because their meeting or their you know, program or whatever it is starting in a few minutes and they're running late. So they're running to get there because they're running late. Another person is running because they're so excited. They're not late, they're early. But they're running because they're so excited. They're so passionate about where they're going to. They're so passionate about that goal that they're about to achieve that they're running to it, right? So running doesn't have to be physically running, but metaphorically running, right? Figuratively speaking, right? I'm running because I'm excited. In fact, a very, very interesting concept is that the, you know, the, uh, the Ali Shore of Shomel Vobi says that the word ratzon is connected with the word rats. Ratzon means passion or desire. Rats means to run, right? The reason they're connected is because when I'm passionate about something, I'm going to run towards it. When I'm passionate, when I'm excited about my goals and dreams, I'm going to jump up and I'm going to run as fast as I can to go do it. Anything that we want to do, we go quickly. Anything we don't want to do, we walk really slowly. We take our time. We procrastinate over and over and over again, right? If a goal is important enough to us, we're running to accomplish it. That's passion. The second step is strategic steps in order to get there. What do I need to do today, every single day? What are those incremental small steps that I need in order to get to that ultimate goal? Decide how long it's gonna take. Decide what needs to be done. Certain weeks is gonna be more work than other weeks. Certain months is gonna be more work than other months. Different types of work, different levels. And where, what skills do I need to build? One skill at a time. Again, I'm only gonna focus on one thing at a time. One small you know, area that I want to improve in at a time in order to get to that dream. Essentially, we are channeling all that fiery passion that we are feeling inside and channeling it towards those specific, small, incremental steps that we're gonna take next. There's a well-known line that it comes up uh, within Jewish literature that says, pre hamahirus harata, which literally means the fruit of haste, of you know going quickly, of speeding, is regret. The fruit of haste is regret. What does that mean? It means that when a person is speeding, not going quickly, not running like we said before, where ratzon and rats like to, to run means to be passionate, but going too quickly, haste, speeding, right? Going too quickly, too quickly will give us a feeling of regret. When we try to skip steps, when we try to get to our destination, you know, at a pace that is not appropriate according to, you know, the journey that we're on, which is, you know, we're getting way ahead of ourselves at certain points that we will feel regret for. But why? Because we said before, you will, you know, feel a sense of frustration if we go too far, too, you take too much on too quickly, overwhelmed, whatever it may be. Going too quickly will end up getting us into a place that's a little bit dangerous. So we have to take our time, small incremental steps. For every person, it's gonna look different. For every person, that pace is going to look different. But recognizing that while we feel excited, we need to take our time. If you'd have to draw a comparison between our process of growth, our growth journey, and anything you see in this world, what would you compare it to? I'd compare it to a slow cooker. I'll tell you why. Imagine you're cooking something in a microwave, right? A microwave cooks something very quickly. You take it out, it's extremely hot. Could be boiling and bubbling. You take a bite, it would burn your tongue, very hot. But within minutes, that food item, whatever it is, cools off. T put something in the oven, maybe for an hour, hour and a half. Take it out, 
also just as hot as the thing that came out of the microwave, but it would take a little bit longer to cool off, but also cool off pretty quickly. Cook something in a slow cooker. In the Jewish community, we cook shalant, you know, chamin, whatever it may be. And obviously people around the world, people are cooking all different types of things in the crock pot, right? Anything that they want to cook over a long period of time, very slow, on a very low temperature, right? And we want it to slowly cook, absorb all the flavors for the flavors to come together. And if it's, you know, whatever the food item may be, I know this much more so when it comes to meat or chicken, that the food that comes out, at, at, once it's cooked, it's very soft, it falls apart, and it's a great way to cook. So when you put something in the slow cooker, again, unlike the microwave or even the oven, it also takes a much longer time for that food item that you put in the crock pot or the slow cooker to cool off much longer time than the oven, and much longer than the microwave, right? It takes much longer to cool off. Why? It's because it was cooked, although on a lower temperature than the oven, right? It was cooked on a lower temperature, but it was cooked over a longer period of time. So that low and slow process also retains heat, higher heat retention. So what is that? How do you compare that to a process of growth? It's the same thing in life. When you take on too much, way too quickly, like the microwave, you also cool off very quickly, right? You go right back to where you started often, not always, but often. Also, like the oven, if you cook something maybe a little bit, you know, higher, a little bit longer period of time, you go a little bit slower than the other person, the person who's going too, way too quickly, you also often find yourself taking steps back because you took a, too much uh, on a little bit too quickly. But if you, your growth process is like the slow cooker, over a longer period of time at a very, very slow pace, low and slow, right? If you do that, then the likelihood of you going back to square one to where you started is very unlikely. It takes much longer to cool off. It would, so to speak. So because you go, take that long process, you have that patient experience where you go step by step on a very, at a very slow pace, you end up where you want to be. And you're not worried about taking all those steps back because it was a healthy, slow process. Let's take another example from life. Imagine the following. Imagine you're at a golf driving range. I don't know if you've ever been to one, but either way, imagine you're at the golf driving range, you've got your golf club in your hands, your golf balls on the floor, and you're hitting the golf ball, and you're swinging, and at the first 10, 15 swings, you're doing pretty well, and your goal is simple. You wanna hit it straight ahead as far as you can. And you're hitting it pretty well at first, but you get to the 16th, 17th swing, you're not hitting so well anymore. That goes on for another half hour. Just every swing is terrible. And you're so frustrated, right? You're, you're either hitting it all the way to the right or all the way to the left or just a few feet in front of you straight ahead. And you're so frustrated because you were doing well at first and now you're not. And you're continuing to try, but it's nothing is working. Literally nothing is working. And now imagine there's a golf instructor who's standing behind you. And he says, you know, you got a good, a good swing. And you say, good swing? Have you been watching me? I'm hitting it all the way to the right, all the way to the left, a few feet in front of me. It doesn't look like a good swing to me. And he says to you, yeah, I know. And yes, I have been watching you. I know that you, you're pretty, probably pretty frustrated about you know, the way you've been swinging, but you do have a good swing. The problem is that every time you're about to execute, every single time you're about to hit the ball, you shift your club by one or two millimeters. That's it. One or two millimeters. A little bit, one millimeter too much to the right. And so your ball goes all the way to the left one millimeter too much to the left, your ball goes all the way to the right. Or you accidentally hit it one millimeter too low, your club hits the floor, the ball goes a few feet ahead. And so that's what's happening. Your, your swing is actually a good swing though. All you gotta do is shift your club, shift your swing by one millimeter, 
and you'll be hitting the target. You'll get it straight ahead as far as you can. And so it's the same thing with life. Every single one of us has those small areas, those small steps that we need to take to move us forward, to propel us forward towards our goals. One millimeter, tiny, small step. When we do, when we make that one millimeter shift, our entire life will change. The last great example that we'll give is from this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is Parshas Mishpatim. Mishpatim describes all, many different meticulous details of laws that God gives us. And last week's Torah portion, Parshas Yisro, is, was the Torah portion about God giving us the Torah. God, us receiving the Torah from God at Mount Sinai. And the Torah portion last week ends with the commandment of building the altar, right? The Mizbeach. And the Mizbeach was supposed to be built as a ramp, not as stairs or steps, but as a ramp. Okay, keep that in mind for a moment. This week's Torah portion begins with the word ve'ele, ve'ele mishpatim. And these are the laws. These are the commandments. These are the rituals. These are the things that God is telling us to do. So why does it start with the word ve'ele, ve, the letter vav, which means and? Why do we begin with and, right? If you begin a chapter with the word and, that means that the end of last chapter is connected to whatever I'm saying now. Uh, it's a continuation from last chapter into this chapter. And the same applies here. The reason the rabbis tell us that this Torah portion begins with the word and is because the end of last Torah portion is now continuing to this week, to, into this week's Torah portion. There's a deep connection between the two. What does the ramp represent? The message of the ramp is the same lesson that we've been talking about until this point. The ramp shows us, it displays, it represents that type of growth process that we've been describing. The type of growth where there are no preset, pre-measured amounts of growth in order to move us forward. Everyone at their own pace. That's a ramp. As long as I'm moving up, it doesn't matter how slow or how quickly I'm going, I am moving forward. I am moving towards my goal. I am changing, I am growing, I am improving, I am getting closer and closer to my ultimate goal at the top of that ramp. Stairs and steps do the exact opposite, right? If it was steps leading to the top of the altar, it would be saying that every preset measured amount of growth that I need is necessary in order to move me forward, in order to propel me towards my goals. I need a specific measured amount of growth in order to move me towards my goals. But a ramp says no. That's not how growth works. And the reason that the ramp comes right before this Torah portion that talks all about all these laws is before you get to the laws, before you get to your specific goals, you need to understand the message of the ramp. The ramp is saying, go at your own pace. Be passionate, just like it starts with Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is where we got passionate about becoming God's people. We got passionate about taking on the Torah, receiving the Torah, you know, committing to living a life that is purposeful, that is meaningful, that is significant, where we're going to make an impact in the world. That's what the Jews said. We are passionate about that goal, about that dream of changing the world. We're going to change the world with the values of the Torah. So how do we do it? The answer is given to us through the ramp. Take all that passion that you're feeling right now and remember the ramp. Remember that that growth process that you're going to take right now, before you get to all the laws, all the specifics of what you're going to take on, the goals that you're going to have for yourself, before you get there, remember the ramp. Remember that you have to go one small step at a time. For every person, it's going to be a different pace. For every person, it's going to be a different path. But it's going to be upward. It's going to be towards that ultimate goal of making an impact in the world through the laws, through the commandments, through the mitzvot that we have. So that is the message of the Torah portion. It's the same idea. Thinking far and acting near. 
We gotta think far. We gotta build ourselves up. We gotta build up our passion. We gotta recognize our strengths and talents and then gain clarity on what we wanna achieve, what we wanna accomplish with those strengths that God gave us, what we wanna do with our lives, the impact we wanna make. When we leave this world, what type of world do we wanna leave? We want it to be a much better world than when we came into it. We want it to be that we fulfilled our mission. So what is our mission? Based on our strengths and talents and skills, we can figure out, we can try to gain clarity on what we're supposed to accomplish, what we want to accomplish, what we care about accomplishing in this world. And once we've gained clarity on that, once we've ignited that fire, that passion within ourselves, all it takes is that one tiny millimeter step every single day, every moment, that tiny strategic step that we need to take in order to get closer and closer to becoming the people we were born to be. Thank you so much again for being a part of this first show. I hope you found it meaningful and impactful. If there's anyone you feel would connect with or be inspired by this message, please feel free to share it with them, family members, friends of yours. And of course, reach out to me at any time, unbreakablelessonspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You can find me on the podcast link, which is also on my social media. And would love to connect at any time. Have an unbelievable day.